I'm glad I'm not preaching to myself. <laughs> it's really hard. Years ago, we did a, an early service, and uh, we felt like 8.30 would be a great time. And, and we had a mother and her daughter for almost a year. We, did, we, we were faithful for a year, and I just looked at my wife, and I just said, you know what? And we asked the, the, the mother, would you be willing to come to the 1030? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not to say we won't ever have another service, because if we keep filling it up like we are, then that could happen. But anyway, I said all that to say it's not easy when you don't have somebody in front of you. So thank you for being here today. Uh, last, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, then uh, you know that we have been uh, doing a series that I have titled The Power of Our Words. And this is part three, and there's a subtitle this week, and that is Declaring God's Word. Everybody say that, declaring God's Word. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just stay tuned, hang in there. We're going to get to that. But just as a little bit of a refresher, I'm not doing a lot of, of that this week, but we've been talking about the power of our words and how they bring what? Life or death. Death or life, according to the Proverbs we all need to be careful what we say. And if we don't know what to say, what should we do? Just, you know, mm, mm, throw the key away if you have to. And I said, if you get to that place where you're like angry, upset, whatever, count to 10. And then I said, for some of you, you need to count to 100 because your, your fuse is a little longer. Yeah. I ran across this scripture two weeks ago, and I just, it, it just kind of gripped me, and I, I wanted to share it with you again. Psalm 17.3, this is our prayer to the Lord. You have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. How many of you lay there in bed and, man, you just can't shut it off? Well, apparently that's when God does some of his work. You have scrutinized me, which means what? He's examined you, all right? He, he knows you inside and out. The Bible says he's counted the, the very hairs on our heads. God knows you. And he found nothing wrong. That's what I want my prayer to be. <laughs> right? And this last part. I am determined, say it with me in red, I am determined not to sin in what I say. If we would catch this, this whole message, this series that I've been delivering to you this last couple of weeks and then again today, if, we, if it would become a part of us, our city would change. Can I call it a city? Hey, we're growing, Right? This church would change if we were careful what came out. Our homes, you people, you're like little, little islands, little satellite villages all over the place. Some of you live as far as Hillman for crying out loud. 
That's a long drive. Thank you for making this your church. You take the light with you. You are the light. So when your neighbor listens to your conversations in the summer, the windows are all up and the screens are in, and you're just having a conversation, would your neighbor know that you are a believer in Jesus Christ? Or do they hear a bunch of nonsense, you yelling at your kids, you yelling at your spouse, yada, yada. See, if we get this, if we let this get into our spirit man, our spirit woman, it would change everything. And that's why I have felt like the Holy Spirit saying, folks, get it. Understand the power that you have in that little muscle we call the tongue. Can I get a good amen? Amen. This week, I want to show how our words become even more powerful when they line up with the words of God. And where do we find the words of God? In our Bible. So if you will, we're going to show this short little video clip, and then I'll be back. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again. for everything that you've done for us. We are not orphaned. Lord, you know every single one of us. We are your children. When we dedicate our lives to you, when we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, we are changed from the inside out. And the Holy Spirit begins living in us. And at that very moment, all that heaven has, all of the authority that Jesus gave us is ours. And Lord, help us today just to understand what this means for each family, for each individual, for this church, even for our nation and the the globe. Lord, we commit this church, this message, our people into your hands today. And we pray this again in the strong name of the Son of God. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. In his e-book... Just step in, joining God as he heals your city. Pastor Rich Gorman asked this question. Whose voice is the loudest in your life? Whose voice is the loudest in your life? Oops, stay there. Easy, getting a little quick on the trigger there. That was me, not them. In our own way, you and I, we often give the demons the loudest voice and often the last word. Rich went on to explain how this happens, and he said this, he said, if someone asks you about your city, and this could be a personal thing too, even coming to you and saying, hey, how you doing, right? I asked a couple of you this morning, how you doing? I got different responses, none bad or good, I'm just making a point. And he goes on to say, do you lead with positives or the challenges? Do you lead with positives or the negatives? So I ask again, who do you give the loudest voice to? Good question to ask. 
And I've heard it both ways here in Gaylord. I've heard people say, yeah, Gaylord, man, this town stinks. There's nothing to do. It's always snowing. It's dark. It's gloomy. I can't wait. And I've heard some of our kids say this. I can't wait to get out of here. Breaks my heart. But I've also heard people say this, Gaylord's beautiful. It is a winter wonderland for at least six months. <laughs> and, and the other six or five, whichever way it goes, it, it, with all our lakes and our streams and our rivers and our forests and all that cool animals we have, golf course, golf course. Yeah, those are important. And the people are amazing. I love our community. Which voice is in your head? How do you speak of your town and of its people? When we tell visitors how broken our town is, and how desperate, desperate our city is, what we're really doing is undermining what God wants to accomplish in and through us. Did you hear that? You actually undermine what God is trying to do. He's, he tells us that wherever we put our stakes down, the whole territory around us will what? Prosper. There's a blessing on God's people. If you're one of his kids, don't you think he wants the best for you? But our mouth gets in the way. Instead of declaring his good works, we suck in all the negativity around us. The doom and gloomers. And God has a difficult time working with us when we're like that. We must be our community's biggest cheerleader. Hello? We must be God's cheerleader. We can help people to see the good. We do that by not sucking into that doom and gloom prognosis that so many seem to peddle. Again, quoting Pastor Gorman, he concluded with this. He said, yes, your city is broken. Amen? Every city's broken. But it's also beautiful. And God has loaded it with potential to be healed for His glory. You know, when we had this, the tornado last year, how many were here? You were living here, all right? Surely it was a, a, a horrific event. I wouldn't have wished anybody go through it. But after the tornado did its damage, what happened? The love of our community. It, it just went poof. People were going out of their way to help others. They were doing things that it was hard work. Cutting trees down and 
And I see these old, frail people in their garages while people are out in back sawing down trees and getting them off their roof and putting tarps on their roof till the roofers get there. And it was just amazing. We should be like that all the time. So let me ask you again, what voices are the loudest in your life? Godly positive voices or demonic negative voices? And I don't know why I keep wanting to go past that slide, but driving me crazy. How many know this? Everybody faces downtime, right? Time when you might feel like your spirit's going, ah. Down, down, down you go. Sometimes even maybe assigning a name to it like depression. Some of you have been there. You've been in that dark place. And let me just say, it's not easy to come back from that. It's very difficult. Christian, this is, this is what I want you to get. Whenever you find yourself in that place where you feel like your spirit is starting to drop, and most of us know, you know, it doesn't usually just hit us and we're done. Oh, I'm in depression. It's a gradual thing, right? One thing after another. And here's what I want you to see. When we start feeling that coming on, just like if you felt like maybe your throat was getting a little sore, what do you do? You, you, you grab hold of some vitamin C tablets. You start taking zinc or whatever. You pray, God, I don't have time for this. And you learn to go to God's Word and you look at what he says about your situation. What? God knows about my situation? Absolutely. He may not address it specifically in His Word, but pr I promise you that if you become a student of the Bible, a Berean, if you will, and you start studying God's Word, even committing it to your heart, that means to memorize, when you find yourself in these situations where it's getting darker and darker around you, you can rebound from that just like that video and start to declare what God says. This is important because I think for too long the devil has been robbing us. He has convinced us that he is in control. And that's farthest from the truth. He's under our feet, according to Scripture. Instead of quoting the demonic, the negative, we need to quote some of God's rich promises. And there are many. There are so many in our Bible. Where do we find them? I already said it. I gave it up. Spoiler alert. Between the books of Genesis and Revelation. Let me jump over to Revelation. I've been trying to go there for the last 10 minutes. And I, I jumped into the middle of the verse. 
For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. (laughs) Who's that? Is the devil a real creature? He is a fallen angel. And as much as we watch cartoons and they say that he's just this fairy taleish image, let me tell you something. Just look at our bigger cities. We may not see it so much here, but you look at our bigger cities and you can see the rampage that that devil is on. Our cities are decaying so fast, and though the church is trying to let its light shine, it almost seems defeated. But we're not. We're not. We are more than conquerors through Christ. And this verse goes on to say, the one who accuses them before our God day and night, Satan loves to taunt us. How do they defeat him? Oh, I love verse 11. They have, say it with me, they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. What does that mean? What does the blood of the Lamb mean? Jesus already did it. When he went to the cross, when they hung him on the hill known as Golgotha, Skull Hill, when they hung him on that cross, at the very end of his life, he said this. (laughs) What was it? Thank you. Somebody knows their word. It is finished. What is finished? The devil was defeated at that very moment. The Bible says that the curtain that hung between the Holy of Holies and the outer sanctuary was ripped from top to bottom. There's no way that could have happened without an angel going, what? Why? What was that symbolic of? That we now have access to God because Jesus defeated the devil through his blood. And if that can't get you, it doesn't get you excited, there's something wrong. Woo! That's right. The devil accuses us day and night. But you defeat him by the blood of Jesus Christ and, oh, the word of your testimony. What is the word of our testimony? It isn't just, hear this, it isn't just what's been accomplished through you, though that's important. It isn't just what God has done for you, though that's important. What it is is the words of God that are spoken over us. The song we sang today said it. And I don't remember the exact thing, but it it said something about the testimony that Jesus has declared over us. And who is seated at the right hand of the Father? And what is He doing right now at this very moment? interceding, mediating on our behalf, saying, hey, Dad, (laughs) June needs some help. Oh, wait, wait. Somewhere around here. Wait, 
I, oh, there it is. You need some help. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the pointer thing. I don't know where it went. Ooh, I didn't like that either. My battery just dropped. I might have to get a new battery. Hear this. We need to declare, our testimony needs to declare what God said about you and me. That is our testimony. Right? I hope you're getting excited. Say this with me. If God said it, I can stand on it. Now, do I literally mean I'm going to stand on my Bible? You could. It might make you a little taller. But what you're standing on are the actual words that Jesus declared over us. The very words that the Holy Spirit confirms in us. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. I have a lot of scripture. I just suggest you maybe you write the addresses down. You can look them up later. The accuser whispers something in your ear like this. You're just a filthy little sinner. You aren't any different than anybody else. You know what you do? <laughs> you do what Jesus did. In Luke chapter uh, 6. What did he do? Or 4. So 6 or 4. Whatever. Luke 6 or 4 chapter. I think it's 4. And he goes into the desert. Right after he had been baptized and the Holy Spirit came down on him and God said what? This is my son whom I am well pleased. Confirmation. And when the when the devil started taunting Jesus, every time he said something to Jesus, Jesus returned with God's word. Hallelujah, it is written. So, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for some of those who believe. Really? Is that different than what I said? And this is true for... Everyone who believes, no matter who we are. You know what I love about this verse? It levels the playing field when it comes to race, when it comes to social status. Everybody is equal in God's eyes. Everybody has an opportunity to come to Jesus and to become one of God's kids. And I believe that is really, really good news. So when the devil tries to convince you that you're, the, you're still the same old sinner, you reply, not true, devil. Say that with me, not true, devil. According to Romans 3.23, I was made right when I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for anyone who believes. In fact, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, which says this, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Ooh. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. What? And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. What's that called? That's known as reconciliation. Right? God has reconciled us back to him. That's, that's that curtain coming down. 
And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. The church is supposed to bring others with her. Or it, whichever way you want to call the church. I've always called it her, but whatever. You get the idea. You and I are supposed to bring people with us. Because I belong to Christ through my faith in Him, the old sinner is dead and I have been given new life. A full, robust life. John 10.10 That's a gift from God who reconciled me back to Him through His Son Jesus. When God looks at me, who does He see? Jesus. He doesn't see sinful Norman. Hallelujah! Because I'm not sinful Norman anymore. My sins are under the blood. I'm just righteous Norman now. And you're righteous Sarah. And righteous Mary. And if I knew everybody's name in here, I'd call you out. But I won't do that. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus Christ, his son. And because of Jesus, I am 100% righteous. And then you can say, devil, just in case you're not convinced, let me remind you of another passage. Romans 5.17 For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of what? Righteousness. For Read the red part. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Say it again with me. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death. Huh. So the question then becomes, <laughs> how are we doing that? Where's that? Are you living in triumph? Over the sin and death. Some of you are saying yes. Like three of you. <laughs> we've been given this gift of righteousness. We've received it from God with gratification. And now we live in triumph over sin and death. So when the devil comes knocking on your door, you remind him of this. You know what God said? God said, I'm 100% righteous because of Jesus. And I am going to triumph over sin and over death. You have no hold over me. Poke your neighbor and say, I am 100% righteous. If you know your neighbor, you're probably going, no, you're not. I know you. It's under the blood. Now say that to him. It's under the blood. That doesn't mean we're given license to sin, please. Paul goes into a whole litany of, of chapters on this. It, what it's saying is we are not going to live a lifestyle of sin because we love God and we want to be with Him forever. Why would you be in this church if you didn't want to be with the Lord? It's not just because we have heat and coffee. Come on. 
It's because you know that there's another life coming. And we have to get ready for that. And not only do we have to get ready for that, what the Scriptures just said that I read a few minutes ago, we're supposed to reconcile other people to God. Which means we bring them along with them. We get us a bus and we get them here or there. Spiritually speaking, right? And we're not driving a bus to heaven. Somebody will write me. It's not going to happen. According to Ron Phillips in his book, Vanquishing the Enemy, and this is an older book, but something on my shelf. What this should do, he said, is eliminate any put-downs, the guilt and the accusations of the enemy. (laughs) Somebody here needs to hear this today. Let me repeat it. He said, what this should do is eliminate any put-downs, the guilt and the accusations of the enemy, the accuser, the devil. In other words, this God-given righteousness protects us from inferiority. How many have an inferiority complex? Don't raise your hand. Knowing that you're 100% righteous through Christ should increase your self-esteem. Say this with me. I'm a child of God. I'm blood-bought, born again, and God loves me. What more could I want? If your self-esteem has not increased... Hear this. The blood of Jesus, you're saying by your action, the blood of Jesus is ineffective. Hmm. I reject that idea. If that's me or if that's you, if we find ourselves in that place where we're going, oh God, people hate me. Our self-esteem is down here. Some of you, because of how you've been treated, as I've spoken the last couple weeks, the the words that have been spoken over you have, have leveled you. And God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, your Heavenly Father, He wants you to know that He gives you a rise in self esteem. Your character is His character. You're no longer that old person. You're a new man. You're a new woman. Hallelujah. One of my favorite scriptures, and and I share this usually when I'm talking about God's Word because I always have somebody come to me and say, well, can we believe everything that's in that Bible. Didn't men write that? Yeah, they did. Well, let me, let me just share this. John, or I'm sorry, 2 Timothy, you can see why I went there, 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God, and those are my emphases in red, and is useful for what? To teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. 
It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. All Scripture is inspired by God. We can trust the Bible. In fact, and I believe we're supposed to do this, we can declare with our mouth what God said about us, about you. You can declare what God said about you. This comes back to what I started with. You need to be a student of the Bible. You need to commit God's Word to your heart. Then when you face these challenges and these temptations, you'll be able to fight back similar to how Jesus fought back in Luke 4. You walk in victory by declaring the Scriptures. The world says you are nothing, but God says you are royalty. Hallelujah. That's exciting. People treat you like an outsider because you follow Jesus. But God calls you His children. (laughs) How cool is that? The enemy says you have no future. But God said He is preparing you to reign with Him forever. You know what that means, right? We're going to have positions of authority. Whatever that looks like. Some of us might be a mayor of a town. Some of us might be, let me, overseer of a forest with lots of lakes. (laughs) Hallelujah. And you do, you do have a future and a hope, according to Jeremiah 29, 11. You do. Even though the enemy says you don't. Even though the world says you don't. Even though those around you say you don't. God says you do. Every believer needs to know what God says they are. Say that with me. Every believer needs to know who God says they are and then declare it. Say the whole thing with me. Every believer needs to know who God says they are and then declare it. When you do this, it changes things around you. Your atmosphere, the climate, if you will, changes The enemy looks at you and he goes, hey, they aren't messing around anymore. What are you doing? You're declaring God's Word. Does God need to be reminded of what He wrote? So why do we do this? For ourselves. Thank you. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest. Two-edged sword, cutting between souls, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. God's Word is not only effective in sharpening us, showing us what should be there and what shouldn't. How many of you, and, and, and forgive me for using this if you're not a meat eater, how many of you, when you're cutting a piece of meat, You see that great big old glob of fat, and you just go, oh, that's mine. (laughs) No, what do you usually do? You cut that off. 
When we go to heaven, God wants the leaner, meaner version of you and I. And we become like that when we apply God's Word like uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 said. When we apply that Word, it helps us, it trains us, it shows us what we should and shouldn't do. That's what this verse is saying. God's Word is effective and powerful and it does that in our lives. And then in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul, he talks about one of the the elements of the body of armor is what? The sword of the Spirit. The sword is an offensive weapon as much as it is a defensive weapon. By declaring God's Word over you, over your family, over your business, you're speaking life and not death. You're putting the demonic realm on notice that you belong to God. If you find yourself slipping like doom and gloom is everywhere, remind yourself of what the Lord said about His people. He said this, He said, He would give us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Nehemiah declared, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And then the Apostle Paul said, for the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. These are passages that you can share and speak out. Don't don't just show the the address, but say it. And I have, and I didn't put this up, declare the Scriptures. I'm going to have you say this, so listen to me. Declare the Scriptures loud and out loud. I said that backwards, didn't I? Let me look, let me look. Hang on, hang on, this is good. I did. Say the Scriptures out loud and loud. That's what I should have said. (laughs) I am a little dyslexic, if you haven't figured that out yet. Say that with me. Say the scriptures out loud and loud. Now do it with emphasis. Say the scriptures out loud and loud. Yeah. Hallelujah. And if that don't lift you out of your molly grubs, nothing will. I just threw this in for effect. No, I didn't. Did I, sk- did I skip one? No, this is important. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. You know, that's what this church is all about. We're all about the blood of Jesus washing us clean. We no longer have to pay the price for the dumb things we did, the sinful things we did. Jesus is taking care of that. And now we're called his brother, his sister. God calls us his children. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. Hallelujah. You ought to be able to get excited about that. Matthew 24, 35. Jesus said this. I think I shared it last week. But heaven and earth will disappear. 
but my words will never disappear. What Jesus was saying is this. Whatever you see in that Bible of yours, whatever's written on those pages, or if you have a digital Bible, whatever is in those words between Genesis and Revelation, this right here, his words will never disappear. God's words matter. They make a difference. Jesus quoted his father over and over. Hallelujah. And we should too. Know this, God keeps his promises. And I had a whole bunch that I took out where I talked about this. One of, one of the tragedies is because we're human and we can't see God with the, the physical eye, at least not usually. A few have, but very few. We look at a promise as something that's often broken. I mean, if you look at our marriages, what's the statistic? Half, at least half, end in divorce. They made a vow. Most of us make vows when we get married. And yet, we break that promise. And this isn't, I'm not beating up on anybody that's been divorced. It's under the blood, right? But it does show human nature. And how many of you, when you were growing up, your dad's going out the door and he'd say, hey son, when I get home today, we'll, we'll throw the ball around. And the end of the day comes and no dad. We break promises. And the result of that is this. In our finite minds, our, human, our humanity thinks, well, if people break promises, so does God. And that's why you have to know what the Scriptures say. You have to know that every jot, every tittle was intentional. You have to know that the Bible is the number one book throughout humanity that has been written for thousands of years by scribes and other writers, by the prophets and by the apostles. And we can bank on every word. Because God made sure we had His Word. This generation has everything we need to get to heaven and to live a victorious life here on this planet. And we do that by remembering what God says about us and declaring it over ourselves. The Apostle Paul emphasizes this point in 2 Corinthians 1.20. And again, this is, this is... Why do I share scriptures over and over? So let me ask you this. How many of you, I should have you close your eyes, I won't. How many of you have memorized this verse? Well, it doesn't matter what version, if you understand it. What I'm saying is this. I didn't see anybody's hand go up, and I wasn't going to call you out. Say, then quote it. The reason I show these over and over and over is so that you will begin to realize that, hey, this is important. 
<laughs> and obviously, we haven't figured that out yet, or we'd know it. Read, it. read it with me. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. How cool is that? When Jesus came to earth, when he hung on that cross, when they put him in that grave, and they thought it was over, uh-uh. On that Sabbath day, the next morning, Sunday, what happened? The stone was rolled away, and he wasn't there! Well, somebody stole his body. I know, I've read that. Yeah, somebody went in there and they took his body out. And then they, they had guards standing at the entrance that day. Why? Because they knew somebody was going to try to steal the body. And then they could say, see? And what it meant was, you can, I can promise you this, the guards who were standing at that entrance that day, they were told this, if anybody takes that body, it's your life. Those Roman soldiers weren't going to let anybody get in there because it meant... And yet, when they got there, that stone had been rolled back. And his clothes, the Bible says this, his clothes were neatly folded. So we know Jesus is a neat freak. Now, maybe it was an angel, I don't know, whatever. But my point is this, afterwards, how many saw him? Scripture tells us this, how many? Thank you, over 500 people saw him after the grave. Witnessed. We can trust the Bible, we can trust what God says. Ooh, I got to keep moving. I'm getting there. I'm getting close. Every promise of how God protects his people and provides for them was fulfilled in Christ. Full life? Yes, in Jesus. Eternal life? Yes, in Jesus. Hallelujah. Every promise that God made is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. When you declare the words of God and truly believe that they will come to pass, you can then expect something good is about to happen. There's a song that goes like that, but I'm trying not to sing it. Something good is surely on its way. I'm not singing it out of anyway. And by the way, this isn't because you're anybody special. None of us are anybody special but for Jesus. But because he died for you, because he applied his blood to you, you are special now. Because you represent him and you got the Holy Ghost in you. You are a child of God and because you have aligned yourself with the Holy Spirit, everything that Jesus did, every promise God made is accomplished with a yes and an amen. And, and this is one of my favorite verse, verses. And we know, Romans 
8.28, and we know that God causes everything. Oh, wait a minute. Everything? What? You speaking heresy over there, Sister Mary? Even the bad? How many, how many, your life has been bad? Don't raise your hand. Whoa, I think we need to have a little less water in this thing next time. I just realized that. Sorry. I didn't realize it was that full. Wow. The angels are at the door. They're ringing your bell. Know this. God's promises always trump the devil's lies. When you can't do anything else, stand on the word of God. And Mary said it. God said he would turn every event around for the good of those who love him. You may be going through some stuff. Oh, come on. It's not even noon yet. I got 11 minutes. Lost my, lost my frame of mind. Yeah, there we go. Some of us, if we are in situations right now. And, and my prayer is that God is with you. There's nothing worse than when somebody you love is, is being attacked. Their health, their, their life, Whatever. You know, you, you fill the blank in. But God knows. He knows. And you're not in this alone. The Bible says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is your helper. So yes, you might be going through some difficult things. Stand on God's word. Don't let the devil get the victory over you. Declare the word of God over you, over your family, over whoever that person is that's being affected. Maybe it's you. Maybe you need to just declare the word of God over you. As I begin to close, declare God's promises. They're all yes and amen. You need healing? Stand on the healing scriptures. Declare it. Jesus, you healed the lepers, the blind and the lame, and I believe that you can heal me, or I believe you can heal my husband, or whoever it is. I am healed by the blood of the Lamb in Jesus' name. Amen. You need your marriage restored? Stand on the marriage scriptures. Declare this. Jesus said that when a man and a woman are united in marriage, the two become one. 
And what God binds together, let no man separate. The two, along with Jesus, become a three-strand cord. Lord Jesus, don't let this marriage be easily broken. Don't let this cord be easily broken. You need wisdom. Stand on the wisdom scriptures. You can play if you would, Sarah. Jesus, or James, told us to ask for wisdom. Father, I need wisdom. Help me to make the right decisions in this matter. Guide my every step as it is my desire to please you in all that I do. And and this is a great place to add, Father, your will be done, not mine. Your kingdom come, not mine. You need the Holy Spirit. Stand on the scriptures that talk about the Holy Spirit. The Bible, the New Testament, is chock full of passages about people getting filled with the Holy Spirit and the need for Him. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is the seal of God's promise. And He points to our everlasting life. When you become filled with God's Spirit, that's evidence that God is going to fulfill this promise. You are going to be given eternal life. That's why it's so important that we understand why we need the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit, He would be our comforter, our counselor, our helper for those times when we're in need. Pray this, Lord, just as you did at Pentecost and through the book of Acts, just as you did with Jesus in Luke chapter 3, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit in power. I pray in Jesus' name. And this brings me to the last part of my declaration today. Perhaps that I would say the most important. You need salvation. You stand on the salvation scriptures. Like John 3.16, which I was trying to say earlier. Read it with me. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. With every head raised and everybody looking around, who needs Jesus today? Who needs Jesus? Just raise your hand. Hallelujah. That's a lot of hands. You know, the beauty of this is we're a church and and nobody is here pointing fingers because everybody that's not raising their hand has been there and done that, bought the t-shirt, and done more. We have that full life. God wants you to know that he loves you. And that's what he was saying here. Jesus said this about his dad. And Jesus was the one that was going to go pay the price. (laughs) How cool is that? I mean, it's awesome that God loves us so much that he was going to send his son, but it's even more awesome that his son is willing to die for you and for me to take our place on that cross, to take every sin that humanity has ever made, offered up, sacrificed, 
He was going to take that upon himself so that we wouldn't have to. But sadly, there are many who do not take advantage of this. And, and it reminds me of, of the, the man. This was in the 50s. A poor man got on a ship. He bought a ticket to America because he needed to see his dying family member, a mother. And on his way, he ate crackers and water just to get him there. And after several days on the ocean, and I don't know how long it took to get there, quite a while in the 50s, somebody saw him and they said, hey, how come I don't ever see you at the banquet? And the guy said, well, I, don't have, I didn't have the money. I, I just bought the ticket. I didn't pay for the food. And the guy looks at him and goes, it's included. How many people are going to get to heaven without saying those wonderful, beautiful words, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me and make me a new person. Jesus already paid the price. Your ticket's been bought and paid for. You just got to grab hold of it. And that's what you're doing when you pray this. And, and I'm going to put it up behind me. This is the scripture we're going to declare. Romans 10, 9 through 11. And if you raise your hand, everybody stand with me, will you? Get some blood flowing. If, if you raise your hand, and, and like I said, there are a lot of people that just raise their hand for this. I'm assuming that you're, you're for real. You're, you're doing this because you know you need Jesus. You need his forgiveness. And you want your life to change so that you can declare his words over your life. We're going to pray the Apostle Paul's instructions. Say this with me. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Hallelujah. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. That wasn't the prayer. That was just leading to it because this is the declaration. Say this with me. If you, everybody, just we're a family here. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity to make things right between this person and our Heavenly Father. Lord, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. I believe what the Scripture says. The old sinful man is gone. Right now, this instant, the new born-again man, person, is here. I got a little confused because of the gender thing. Let's finish this out. Lord, help me 
to live for you. I need the Holy Spirit inside of me. Baptize me in your spirit. I yield to you today. Cleanse me. Wash over me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. (laughs) That means you are now an overcomer in Christ. We are all overcomers in Christ. If we're not, something's wrong. Let me say that again. If you're not, something's wrong. Be an overcomer. If you're not, figure out why you're not. Start declaring God's word over your life, over your kids, your family, your your neighbors, your job places, your, your schoolwork if you're still in school. The Lord hears you. And all of his promises are yes and amen. All right, I'm finishing up with this. You are a child of God, blood-bought, born again, and filled with God's Holy Spirit. Your life means something, for you have been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ, and you are now 100% righteous in Christ. Your life will be used to the glory of God, and one day you will rule with our Lord and Savior, with the King, Jesus. And with that, you could say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful week.